We welcome you to the preaching service of the Scots Four Christian Church. I'm Otis Clark, the minister, and we certainly appreciate you sharing with us. Today, we are going to be talking on a very, very important subject. We're going to be looking into God's Word and see what He has to say to us about heaven. Friends, we'll be reading from John the 14th chapter, verses 1 through 7, and I'm sure that you've heard these words read many a time, but let's listen to them, if you will. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really love me, or if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. That's John, the 14th chapter, verses 1 through 7. This morning, we're talking, as I mentioned just a second ago, the subject of heaven. I fear, friends, that as we uh, think about this word and this subject, that we possibly have very little understanding when, in fact, we could understand a whole lot more and how profound this is that we have a place where we can go to to live for eternity, and that is in heaven. We go back and read and listen to a lot of people who've written through the years of time and and many profound illustrations to help us to, to get into this and to understand the many things we need to understand. And, uh, excuse me, and we notice in Our Greatest Gift by Henry Newman, he tells a parable of faith and hope. He imagines twins, a brother and a sister, talking to each other in their mother's womb. The sister said to the brother, I believe there is life after birth. Her brother protested vehemently, No, no, this is all there is. This is a dark, cozy place, and we have nothing else to do but to cling to the cord that feeds us. And the little girl, her sister, insisted, there must be something more than this dark place. There must be something else, a place with light where there is freedom to move. Still, she could not convince her twin brother. After some silence, the sister said hesitantly, I have something else to say, and I'm afraid you won't believe that either, but I think there is a mother. And her brother became furious. A mother, he shouted. What are you talking about? I've never seen a mother, and neither have you. Who put that idea in your head? As I told you, this place is all we have. Why do you always want more? There is not such, this is not such a bad place after all. We have all we need, and so let's be content. 
The sister was overwhelmed by her brother's response and, and for a while didn't say anything more. But she couldn't let it go with her let it go of, of, of her thoughts. And since she had her twin brother to speak to, she finally said, Don't you feel these squeezes every once in a while? They are quite unpleasant and sometimes even painful. And he said, Yes. What's special about that? Well, the little sister said, I think these squeezes are ready to get us ready for another place, much more beautiful than this, where we will see our mother face to face. Don't you think that's exciting? And the brother didn't answer. He was fed up with the foolish talk of his sister and felt that the best thing would be possibly to ignore her and hope that she would leave him alone. Do you reckon there are some parallels here to the day in which we are living? As ironic as it may seem, do you think that a lot of people uh, maybe don't want you to bother them about talking about heaven? Now, I've said many, many times, and I share it again very quickly, we don't want to get so involved in talking about dying that we fail to live life to its fullest. And on the other side of the ledger, we don't want to get so involved with living to feel, uh, to know that we're going to die. And so I want us to talk about the many scriptures in the Bible about this wonderful, wonderful place. Been doing a lot of thinking about heaven and what happens when we die, when we take our last breath. And when I think about it, as a matter of fact, last week uh, we talked and referred to respective verses talking about three score and 10, 70 years and, and beyond that, uh, we're being very graciously uh, given years. And, uh, and I think about that and then I think about comparing that to eternity. Will you, for a few moments, give me your ear, listening ear, so to speak, and, and let's talk about this matter of the place where all can go if they will just seek to do what they need to do. Heaven is a very real place, and the Bible gives us something very clear and some very clear information about this paradise. The first thing that I want to talk about, and this may seem kind of ironic, what's it for? Why is heaven even necessary? Does it have an impact on our life here on earth? Peter wrote in 1 Peter, the third chapter, verses 3, 9, these very profound words, and this is what he said. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him 
and are filled with an inexpressible, uh, uh, glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Tremendous teaching by Peter talking about the inheritance, talking about uh, the blessings that await the man, the woman, the boy or girl who is God's child and who needs to be mindful that a home is prepared. We find also not only in Peter here, but also in the book of Romans and uh, some very profound things. Many of you will know when I speak of the eighth chapter, probably the verse that comes to your mind is Romans eight twenty-eight, where it says all things work together. And But I want to begin reading in the eighth chapter of the book of Romans and read verses 14 through 17 and then verses 22 through 25. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For listen now, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are uh, children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. We know, Paul said to the Christians at Rome, that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as Son, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what is uh, he has all, ha- already has? But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. Friends, heaven is the end result of our faith. Personally, I could never think of anything that could be more meaningful, more profound, more beautiful than to realize that the end result of you, of all of us, keeping our faith in Christ is the sharing of eternity eternity, eternity, living eternally. It is manifestation of our hope. It is the salvation of our souls. So we see what it's for, so that uh, from the writings of Peter and also the writings uh, on the book of Romans by Paul, but what is heaven like? We've all been told statements about the crystal sea and streets of gold, but heaven is much more than that. I want you to listen to this next thing I'm gonna share with you. It is so, so powerful. You see, it is the act of being glorified, listen, beyond what we are now. The understanding we need to have when we think about heaven and what we will share in is the act of being glorified beyond what we are now. Joni Erickson, I'm sure, Tata, you read writings and read a lot about her, and she said, I have hope in the future. The Bible speaks about bodies being glorified. I know the meaning of that now, she said. It's the time after my death here when I, the quadriplegic, will be on my feet dancing and praising God. How true that is. You see, 
it's so important for us to understand that we need to read very carefully, study very carefully all that we can. And there's so much in the Bible that helps us to understand so much more about heaven and what we need to understand. And I guess possibly we cannot understand in totality how great it will be. And I have no trouble with that because I have seen what the Father has done in creating this world with all of its beauty and all of its grandeur. Paul, in writing to the church at Colossae, and uh, we know that uh, Paul shares uh, an important verse in that, and I'll refer to it in just a minute, but in the third chapter, verses one through four, this is what Paul said. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Listen now. Since set your heart on things above, where things, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ is, when his, when his life appeared, when in your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Friends, think about that. Think about that. Paul challenged the church at Colossae, and he was telling uh, the Christians in the church at Colossae, he was saying, set your affections, set your heart on things above. Needless to say, my, my 54 years of preaching, uh, excuse me, I've had many and many a funeral. And I know, I can just look at the countenance of people and know that when I make these particular statements that their faces just, there is a, just a new expression that comes across their faces when I say that for the person who accepts Christ, and I mean accepting him totally and completely and living for him, that he, she has the promise of living forever. And Paul, in writing in the Corinthian letter, he talks about that. To be absent in the body is to be present with Christ. Paul also, writing in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 10, said, However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived, what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. Excuse me, spirit. And then also in Hebrews 12, 25 through 29, Paul, as far as we know, that Paul is the writer of the book of Hebrews. And he says in that 12th chapter, verses 29, 25 through 29, see to it, that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who were warned on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? And at that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more here indicate the removing of what can be shaken, and that is created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. And then in verse 28, he says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and fear, for our God is a consuming fire. And then in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 8, 
Paul trying to help the Christians. And really, uh, when these words were written to the church at Corinth, I think they were just about a year old. And he puts it this way to them. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. What powerful, powerful teachings here. What is unseen is eternal. Friends, I, I just fear, and maybe we as ministers are responsible for this, uh, maybe a number of people, maybe it's a collective thing, but that I'm hoping that in some way in these few minutes that we're sharing together, that I can, can convey to you the importance of realizing the hope for eternity, the hope for living again. Then we ask the question, who is it for? When Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, and have now found anyone I have now have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Friends, we need to understand that heaven is real. We need to understand that it is a prepared place for prepared people. We have to do our part to have the promise living eternally. And friends, it is not that hard if we make up our minds, seek the leading of the Holy Spirit, seek the leading of our Father, study His Word, study His Word, be faithful. It's not that hard. But many, I believe, have no idea how great a place that Christ has prepared for us when we leave this world. Like I said a moment ago, many and many a funeral, and when I talk about to be absent in the body is to be present with Christ, that's talking about heaven, is that that means so, so much. Probably there is a, that verse about heaven, uh, it's hard to say how much it has helped, yea, thousands and thousands of people because it shares with them and tells them if their loved one has been a child of God, has sought to live the Christian life, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. And then we read in Revelation 19, 7 and 8, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. And back in your study, when they talked about white linen, it stood for the righteous acts of the saints. I don't know the times that I have quoted these verses, and it always gives me great, great comfort, and hopefully it gives great comfort to all families when they're mourning, where Paul writes, wrote toward the end of his life. And this was what he said. You've heard these many and many a time. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. 
Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but listen, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. I would send, I would suggest to you that no one would long for the appearing of Christ. No one would long for that day of his return unless they knew that they had become his child and that they had sought to live a life that was becoming of a Christian. There was an article back in 1993. I know that's some time ago, but I want to share it with you. It's so profound. He says in this article, as a, Jeff, as a deaf child, former NFL star Kenny Walker Felt like an outsider. Kenny, as Kenny matured, however, he compensated for his deafness with great physical prowess. His larger-than-normal frame, extensive knowledge of football, and intense focus attracted the attention of his high school football coaches and later on many powerhouse college coaches. When Kenny's high school coach asked him where he wanted to play college football, he signed the letter N, standing for Nebraska. It's a team he's always dreamed of playing for, and Nebraska's coaches immediately signed him and made arrangements to have an interpreter present at every practice and game. Kenny was so successful at Nebraska that he made All-American and was named Big Eight Conference Defensive Player of the Year. But the crowning moment of his college football career came during his final home game. Traditionally, you know, different football programs, sports programs have different ways in handling senior night and handling these particular special occasions. But traditionally, senior players were introduced alphabetically and ran onto the field, welcomed by cheering crowd. But because Kenny was deaf, the university and the local community plotted a new way to praise Kenny Walker. In a special article, the Omaha World Harold showed the fans how they could sign an ovation. They could stand, they hold their hands high above their heads, fingers spread, and then wave both hands from side to side. And so when Kenny stood in the stadium funnel, he felt the vibration of the cheering crowd as each center ran out or each senior ran out on the field. But when he ran out on the field, he felt no vibrations. Puzzled, he stopped and he, and he looked around the stadium to see over 75,000 people standing for him, waving their hands in a way that only a deaf person could recognize as an applause. You see, friends, they saw, people saw potential in Kenny and they worked with him and he did great things and produced profoundly. Friends, that's what we want to do. When we leave this world and when we're ushered into heaven, we hope and pray we'll see our loved ones and, and that they will be cheering us and applauding and happy that we have finished the faith. Like Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the course. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, can give to me on that day, and not only unto me, but to all who love his appearing. 
Peter says in 2 Peter 1, 10 through 11, Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do not do these things, you will never fail, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal, eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we read these words earlier. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Isn't that incredible, friends? Is that to think that when our lives and all are, are worn out, our bodies are worn out, that we're all just, uh, uh, just have done all we can do physically to stay alive, that we've got an eternal home, eternal home. That's the Lord's work, Christianity, is the only religion that has a promise of eternal life, eternal life forever. It's the only religion that has an empty tomb to venerate. He's not here. He has resurrected. That's what's going to happen to you and to me. I ask you, do you know him? Uh, have you committed your life to him? You know, friends, we do not know any of us how long we're going to live and how we need to slow down because Satan is totally, totally happy and uh, it makes him very happy that we give little thought to the teachings of the Holy Bible, to the teachings, the greatest teachings in all the world. And certainly amongst all those great teachings, there's the glorious fact that we can leave this world and go into the presence of Christ and live eternally. If I can help you in any way, my name is Otis Clark. My phone number is in the, the phone book, in the Danville phone book. And you can call me and, and I'll be happy to meet with you, explain to you how to become a Christian and how you can share in this great hope. Will you bow with me as we pray? Father, we thank you for your word and help us to realize the profoundness of these words in a world where people are running to and fro, Many seemingly have no direction, have no goals for life. And I just pray, Lord, that as we have shared this podcast, that if there are those who need to repent, who need to change, who need to get their lives in order, uh, that they will do it. And that they'll accept Jesus Christ and know that hope of living eternally. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen.